Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke, and my co-host today is Nathan. Hello, thank you for having me again. Today's topic, Superman 3, the third of four movies based upon the long-running DC Comics superhero produced between 1978 and 1987. The film features a cast of Christopher Reeve, Richard Pryor, Jackie Cooper, Mark McClure, Annette O'Toole, Annie Ross, Pamela Stevenson, Robert Vaughan and Margot Kidder. This is your warning, we will be talking spoilers. Absolutely. This movie, Nathan, I think when I first suggested we cover it on the podcast, Mm -hmm. was it a case of you'd never seen it or you've not seen it in a long time? Uh, probably the, the the latter rather than the former. I I think I did see it when I was much younger, but I'd forgotten all about it. The first two stick out clearly in my mind, you know, with um, Gene Hackman in the first one as Lex, and then you've got Terrence Stamp in the second one as Zod. They were, they're much more memorable to me, whereas this third one, it just really wasn't ringing any bells. So um, I'm, I jumped at the chance to, to review this movie and really refresh my memory on it. Tonally, this is a straight-up comedy. It really felt like that. You do get some action, but the inclusion of Richard Pryor here, you kind of know going in, you're going to get a comedy. Bit of fourth uh, fourth wall curtain reveal here. Um, watching it last night in prep for this episode, I, I did text you and I was like, man, this this is playing like a straight up comedy. And it is. Like the, the opening is extremely, extremely slapstick. Yeah, it really is. And uh, that's the kind of impression you get going into the movie. That's what I thought we were going to be watching. But we do get some action scenes like it's still a superman movie we're still getting action That's like true. we got in That's those true. first two movies but the elements that richard lester brought to superman 2 hmm. it's on full display here absolutely there's so much in fact i'd say there's more comedy in this superman movie than any other superman movie that's really evident as you watch it although the film recouped its budget of 39 million it proved less successful than the first two superman films both financially and critically. While harsh criticism focused on the film's comedic and campy tone, as well as the casting and performance of Pryor, the special effects and Christopher Reeve's performance as Superman were praised. That again, we're still getting Superman in this. Christopher Reeve is, is the best. Like He wasn't the first. Like, we did have Superman before him on the small screen. Mm. We had a couple of movies, I think Superman and the Mole Men. But 1978, seeing Chris Reeve for the first time in that movie was just incredible. Oh, I think without a doubt, he's, he's iconic. Uh, you think Superman, initially you think Christopher Reeve, he really made that role his own and he really defined it for a generation of people. And no matter the quality of the movie, and we will really get stuck into Superman 3, mm-hmm. you've got him as the title character. Yeah. There's still things to enjoy, even when it's maybe not a great movie. Superman 4, I will get to reviewing that at some stage. That was the quest for peace, right? Yes. Hmm. It came out in 1987, and that was the last time that Christopher Reeve played Superman. Would play that role, yeah. What I will say about this movie, it is a lot better than that movie. Hmm. This movie, it still has things that you can go back, like key scenes, you can revisit, you can still watch the movie and enjoy it. Superman 4, I think I'll put a pin in it, because I will get to it at a later date. I think that's the reason why 3 and 4 
don't stick out in my memory for me and and will require and, and do require rewatches because they're just not as memorable as the first two and, and probably quality wise and tonally wise like you say with good reason i mean the first two was supposed to be directed by richard donner mm. falling out behind the scenes he left the second movie and i'll get into that a bit more later on because there's reasons why some cast members are only in this film for a short time and have limited lines and it's connected with what happened with uh, richard donner's firing mm. But this movie, I can say it's all Richard Lester. And it really does move away from those first two films. And for a lot of it as well, it actually moves away from Metropolis. We have a lot of this film take place yeah. in Smallville. Absolutely. Just quickly, I mentioned a budget of $39. The overall box office for this movie, $100 million. You just said $39. That is incorrect. $39 million. Can you imagine a movie made on a budget of $39? Well, I'm glad you pulled me up on that because I'd have seemed foolish. Uh, yes, okay. Budget of $39 million and box office $100 million. Wow. So this movie, it, it was a hit. Still a hit. But it didn't make back its bank. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was mm. a successful movie. Mm. And you've got to think a lot of that is to do with, one, having Chris Reeve back in the role, yeah. but two... Fans of those first two movies. Yeah, people loved Christopher Reeve as Superman. If you're unfamiliar with the plot, you've got Ross Webster, so no Lex Luthor in this movie. He's played by Robert Vaughn. Mm -hmm. He teams up with a computer genius in order to realise his own evil intentions. Mm. When Superman obstructs his plans, he decides to destroy him. Why not? So no Lex Luthor. We get a new guy in this mm -hmm. and you know what he's all right serviceable I mean, yeah i mean I, serviceable is the word i knew him from one half of the man from uncle oh yeah did you ever used to watch that Robert show Warren. i think he, yeah it came out i think the 70s maybe no, 60s I'm, 70s came out back then i think he's in some other movies i've seen i think he's in um basketball he's the bad guy in that oh yeah he's popped up heaps yeah. of places like he's yeah. He's a working actor for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's been in a lot of things. I think he might even be the the protagonist, antagonist rather, in uh, Beer Fest. Ah, right. It's been a mm, long time. I, so. I could be since wrong since I've seen that movie. Could be wrong. The director, then Richard Lester, mentioned him already. Before he made this movie, he was best known for directing a Hard Day's Night and Help. They okay. were the Beatles movies. He made a series of Three Musketeers movies. They had a lot of campy comedic elements, yeah, which obviously carried over into. You Superman. wonder how he came to be pitched Superman three, and he obviously brought his comedic sensibilities across to the movie. Because there's conflicting stories as well on what this movie was going to be mm. before it became the movie that we that we got. Yeah, according to executive producer Ilya Salkind. An earlier version of the script included the comic book villains Brainiac and Mixwitz Piddlick. That would have been cool. It would have had them two teaming up. Superman meeting his cousin Supergirl, which would lead to the Supergirl spin-off. Yep. Which that was the was that the same year? No, that was eighty four, wasn't it, when Supergirl came out. Don't but recall. the idea was Christopher Reeve was also gonna appear in Supergirl. But oh, instead Instead, we kind of get a Superman cameo. Well, we get two. One of them, there's the guy on the radio, and he's talking about how Superman is in, he's gone on a deep space mission. Yep. So we get that reference. And then in one of the dorms on campus, when Linda Lee, Supergirl in disguise, is in the room, there's a poster 
of Chris Reeves' Superman, and they play a riff on the John Williams thing, ah. which was cool. They originally intended for it to be a much bigger thing, and you'd have Supergirl and Superman appearing in each other's movies. Interesting. But of course, that never happened. Not to be. The original title of this movie, Superman versus Superman. Now, we will get to that epic battle. We mm. will. But for me, that's the movie. It's essentially what, what it boils down to. In yeah, the third like act, if, in I, the third act. if I think back on this movie like over the years, or if I've gone back and rewatched certain scenes, like when I was a kid back on VHS, it was always the scene in the scrapyard. Yeah. So it's interesting that the original title was Superman versus Superman. Maybe they feel that the studio must have felt that that wouldn't sell, or that wouldn't really appeal to Oh, that would sell. Everybody would want to see that movie. Yeah. Apparently, the reason why they didn't go with that title, the producers of Kramer versus Kramer, which came out in 79, threatened to sue, refusing to believe the Salkind explanation that it was intended to play on, on you know, like the old serials or comics, Superman versus dot, 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 and yeah. then insert whoever. So that's what the Salkinds were trying to say was the basis of Superman versus Superman, but the these other producers just weren't having it. So in the end, you know, maybe after many, many brainstorming meetings, they landed on Superman 3. Mm. Yeah, it, tells you every, it tells you everything it's you need to know. It's pretty straightforward. It's a Superman movie, it's the third one. Here it is. So in this movie, of course, we've mentioned him already. Christopher Reeve, Clark Kent, Superman. Incredible. Everything he was doing right in those first two movies, for me, is doing right here. There's a change... I didn't notice it. It wasn't until I was doing prep. In those first two movies, he dyed his hair jet black. In this movie, and Superman 4, he's wearing a wig. Wow, okay. Never knew that. I need to go back and watch it again, yeah. just so I can look at his hair. But wow. apparently, he's wearing a wig. See? When he's in Clark mode or Superman mode? I'd say both. Both? Yeah, both. Okay, interesting. Because outside of playing Superman, he doesn't have black hair. So yeah. he dyed it for the part. Mm. Because we all know... Superman has jet black hair, so they wanted to match that look. Interesting. In the movie. But yeah, apparently he's wearing a wig. Now, Reeve was not happy with the film. Mm. And I think, you know, we've talked about a lot of the campy elements already. He often expressed in interviews that he hated how it turned out. He initially swore to never play the role again. I wonder he, how he got talked into doing the fourth film then. Well, I can tell you. <laughs> he okay. was allowed to have more input on the script for Superman 4, but also I think he had a movie that he wanted to make and they said to him, make this one for us and we'll produce your movie. Okay. And this was like back in 87, like towards the end of the 80s, that's when you had Canon films. Mm, that's right. Superman 4 came out under Canon and they had like Masters of the Universe. That's right. I think a Cyborg movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme. But they were pumping out the movies yeah. in the 80s and Superman 4 was one of them. The thing with the Superman films, Christopher Reeve didn't get top billing. In that first movie... It was Gene Hackman. And Ma I think Marlon Brando. I think he was also... Oh, like, of course, up he there. was And then Gene Hackman in the second one. In this movie, he does get top billing, top billing which is cool because, you know, he is, he is Superman. Yeah. But a close second or just behind him, Richard Pryor. Yeah, he was a really weird um, choice for that movie. Like, just 
strange because he just felt like he didn't really fit in. He played the bumbling genius, but the whole film, you're just going, how does he fit into this movie? I think performance-wise, what Pryor is doing is good. Like he's, yeah. you know, he was a good performer, good comedian. Absolutely. But the fact that he's in a Superman film, he's just crazy. Like it would not happen today. Like Warner Brothers are not going to announce Man of Steel two and oh by the way we've cast Eddie Murphy, or yeah. we've you know we've cast I don't know Steve Martin or we brought yeah. we just added another comedy guy because it feels yeah and it feels like they're trying to meet a certain quota you know rather than do service to the role uh, in a manner that's respectable or that that suits the character that that actor has been attached to. Pryor's gone on record stating why he accepted the role because the Salkinds approached him. They asked him to be in the movie. And the reason why he said yeah is because they offered him five million. Well, that's a pretty good um, incentive. Back in the early 80s, five million to be in a Superman film. It's a good incentive. His character, Gus, that lets, you know, pros and cons. Again, having prior in this movie is a big distraction. Like, even as a kid watching it, I recognised him from... From his movies. Yeah. So it was even distracting back then. It's even more distracting seeing him in it now. But his character, Gus, though, I do like him as a character. Mm. Yes, he's hitting comedy beats, and at times his character is funny. And again, it is a good performance from prior. But I like the fact that Gus isn't really a bad guy. No, he's not. He's down on his luck, and he seems to have this ability. Like He doesn't quite know how, but he's really good with computers. He's almost doing it by accident. So he's, he does... Start the movie by stealing. Yeah, embezzling. Yeah, so at the point, whatever money that's just floating just around. Just a little tiny bit. Yeah, he's he was he was taking that for himself. Hmm. Just... But when you when you see him throughout the movie, and he gets when you get to the end of the movie, they do have a good arc for him, and it is redeeming. And again, there's gags in there, which you know it's why you've got prior in a movie. Earlier in the film, it just feels like he's always perpetually or constantly in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, definitely get that. We um, we've got Jackie Cooper back as Perry White, the editor of the Daily Planet. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not in it as much as the first two movies, but you know it's good to see Reprise a familiar face, and mm. yeah, you know he, he he plays it well. Yep. Mark McClure is back as Jimmy Olsen, another connection to Supergirl actually. He's the only actor to appear in all four Superman films and Supergirl. The good thing about him is he just looks like Jimmy Olsen. You just you look at him and you go, that's Jim Olsen. There's no doubt in your mind whatsoever when you see him on screen. You know it's him. I mean, yeah, he's got the bow tie and everything. Yeah. Yeah, he does look just like but Jimmy just Olsen. His look and just his general disposition and demeanour. Lana Lang is introduced in this film, played mm. by Annette Toole who would later, well, years later, in Smallville, play Martha Kent. Right. Always loved that casting. When Smallville started, oh, wow, it's Lana from Superman 3. That's a really nice connection to her. It's a nice bridge. And they play really well. So she's playing Clark's high school friend. Mm. They reconcile and, yeah, they get together in this movie. And the thing is, it's an interesting like bone of contention for Lois too because there's a sense of jealousy there for Lois toward the end of the film. Yeah, I mean, they met and at the end of the movie it's established that Lana now has a job at the Daily Planet. Yeah. And then we mentioned Superman 4 a few times now. When that movie happens, 
no Lana, no explanation. Mm. So in this movie, she's like, she's moved to Metropolis, her and a kid, Ricky. Yeah, from to the Big Smoke, from small Smallville, Kansas. But in the franchise, that doesn't go anywhere. It's mm. just one and done. No yeah. Lana Lang. Because in the fourth one, we've got Lois back. Yeah. And Margot Kidder actually has a bigger part in that. Like, I was mm. looking into it, right? Do you know how many lines she has in this movie? Probably like two. Twelve. Twelve. Lois Lane in Superman 3. Twelve lines. Twelve lines of dialogue. Wow. I did think she was kind of shoehorned, you know. She well, she was there at the beginning, and then she just left, and then she just came back, and like I say, she has an interaction with with Lana. Yeah, she's very much underused and shoehorned into this movie. But do you know why? There's a reason for this. Okay, go on. Now, I've mentioned already that Richard Donner was supposed to direct the first two movies. He got fired on that second movie. And Margot Kidder, she expressed her disgust about his firing to producers... Alexander and Ilya Salkind and on the back of that they cut her her role years later they went on to say that the reason why she didn't feature much at all is down to the fact that they felt at the end of Superman 2 her and Clark had closure so they didn't really need to carry that on but I think it's more to do with the firing some kind of retribution some kind of punishment for her standing up for Donna but then years later again she mm. comes back in the fourth one, but no no Lana. Interesting. There was supposed to be a cameo by Frank Oz. Oh, yeah. You know, Yoda, yeah, yeah, Muppets, yeah. heaps Oz. of comedies, yep. uh, performer, director. He had a cameo as a surgeon, uh, but the scene was deleted, although it was later included in the TV extended version of the film. And you can also catch it on the special features on the DVD or the Blu-ray. Interesting. Aaron Smolinski, are you familiar with him? No, I'm not. So he played baby Clark Kent in that first movie. Okay. Superman 3, that slapstick opening, and it's a good scene actually, where you have Clark Kent going to the photo booth to change oh, yep, into yep, Superman, yep. and then he t- tears the photo. The little boy. Yeah, well, that little boy is the same actor that played baby Clark Kent in there that first go. movie. And he also comes back. He plays a communications officer in Man of Steel. Wow. That's pretty cool. Okay. That's interesting. I think, I, yes, I think I'm familiar with this. I think I know the guy you're talking about in Man of Steel. Yeah, so there you go. So he first appeared as Baby Clark Kent. And then all those years later, what was it, 2013? So to, Man of Steel? He's been able to stay in that franchise. That's amazing. And I don't think he's a working actor. But it's no. something where they go back to him and then, you know... It's just a, shoot just a guy scenes. that the studio has decided to rehire or keep involved in the franchise. Interesting. We could talk a little bit about, I'd say costumes, but more the costumes. So the suit... Well, actually, no, more than one costume. So we've got the, the standard Superman costume here that, for the most part, looks like what we got in those first two movies. Yeah. But then we also get the evil superman costume mm. which interestingly if you look at the at the the color scheme a little darker it is darker and it looks a lot like what they use for brandon routh in superman returns gotcha it went for a darker look there interesting but okay before we continue with uh, with evil superman how we get there is interesting and gus is responsible so he has that scene with superman he pretends to be military 
Mm. And he's giving Superman an award. And then he's got kryptonite, but it's a combination of red and black kryptonite. Like over the years in the comics and Smallville, because it went for so long, like 10 years, they use different colours of kryptonite and then different colours have a different effect. effect. On Superman. So I guess mixing red and black... Is brainwashing. And it turned him... Mind control. Turned him evil. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. So we get evil, evil Superman. And you know what? Evil Superman, bit of a dick... And he's got the stubble. Yeah, that's right. It's it's cool. Like honestly, like for me, and and it would have worked at the title, Superman versus Superman. That's easily, and I'm sure it's not just my opinion. The best part about the whole movie. Yeah, agreed. And it's almost it's funny because as watching that scene in my in my mind, I always I almost compared it to Tobey Maguire's turn as Spider Man, how he turns sort of inward and evil and bad in Spider Man Three. How you know the symbiote symbiote brings out the worst qualities in him. It's kind of almost like this kryptonite for the strain of strand of kryptonite for, for Clark has brought out his worst qualities and manifested them and it's almost like he's having his like black spidey moment moment. It is like that, but come on, they did it well here though. I rewatched Spider Man three recently and it's it is a mess it's emo spider of a movie. <sighs> it is emo spider. And they had that thing I guess what they were going for and then you know how like women are attracted to him and it was like yeah. you know like in like werewolf movies and they're giving off the pheromones and the opposite sex opposite yep. sex are attracted. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Spider-Man 3, that that was a thing. I, I rewatched the Sam Raimi trilogy last year and one and two still really hold up. Oh, I still love them. They still have a, a place in my heart. I, I, I I'm very endeared to the the first two Spidey movies. Yeah, definitely. But the third the, one lost me a bit. Yes. Yeah, too much too much going on. Yeah. At least with this movie you can't Accuse it of too much going on. No, going a lot on. of comic book movies do suffer from let's cram too many super super villains into it syndrome. I mean, yeah. what just came to mind, and it, it's not an example of a bad movie, but Captain America three Civil yeah. War. Mm. So many characters in that movie, but that oh, one's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. But yes, the comparisons, super, yeah, Spider Man three, Superman three are definitely there. Mm. But it's it's done so much better here, and we're getting. Like again, we're always getting a good performance out of Christopher Reeve. We've got nice guy Clark Kent. We've got superheroic Superman. But then here, he's playing a bad guy. And he's playing him really well. It's not corny. It's played really well. It's, yeah, it's, 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 almost, it's not really so much Superman beating up Superman in that scrapyard. It's Superman beating up Clark Kent. And I took it, I took it to mean like the Clark Kent side of him was that ego, that other side of his ego or alter ego that he despised. And the Clark Kent was everything that was good and wholesome about Superman. And the Superman part that had become corrupted was the, the dark duality to him. And he was basically having an existential crisis or an existential fight amongst his two egos. Oh, alter perfect, egos. yeah. I, I love it. Like, I generally love it. Like It is such a good scene. And like, again, for a movie back... Back in 83, like, it shot so well. Mm. And when I watch it, even now, I'm seeing two Christopher Reeve. Like, mm. obviously, there's camera trickery. There's going to be a stunt man. There's, there's things going on. I never see that. I only see Superman and Clark Kent. And for the most part, Superman's kicking Clark's ass. Yeah. But it's interesting that there's quite a few moments where you're seeing Christopher Reeve as Clark Kent showing off his powers or using his powers should I say and that's not something you often see like in Superman 1 in the in the alley there was the mugger and he caught the bullet as Clark Kent but for the most part you don't see Christopher Reeve using his powers as Clark Kent yeah he's always in his Superman costume 
But eventually, like you've got like, evil Superman, just angry. He's mm. pure it's anger, pissed. rage. And then it Got gets enough. to a point where Clark has had enough. Yeah. And he starts fighting back. And again, like this, you know, it's an action adventure movie. It's a movie for families and kids. Mm. Clark Kent murders evil Superman. Like, not even kidding. Strangles him to death. Oh yeah. Like he takes but he takes everything back and and it's a great moment where he pulls the shirt open he's got the s and, and he flies he out the junkyard there it's, he is again. it's brilliant can you imagine like evil superman from that movie versus say general zod from man of steel they were both full of energy and yeah. rage that'd be good that'd, that'd be, be a, a good cool fight battle. Yeah. that would be oh, an man. awesome battle yeah i'd like to see that me too that was it got me thinking about that but then now superman's good again he needs to go back mm. and reverse Undo all, all the, the bad, bad things, things he did that like evil Superman did, and yeah. one of the things evil Superman did is he straightened the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Yeah. And Superman goes back when he's good and makes it crooked again or lean, puts it lean, back on the slab. Yes, yeah, makes it lean. Much to the chagrin of the sales guy who's trying to sell the the the, the merchandise. That's yeah. I mean, it's his whole business, and Superman's yeah. just messing up. There's the oil tanker. Yeah, it's just that was pretty. It's funny. a lot of fun. That was it's a lot funny. of fun. Well, there's a couple of characters we've um, we've jumped over actually. Um, looking at the bad guys, we've mentioned Robert Vaughn as Ross Webster already. Yep. His sister, we've got Annie Ross as Vera. Mm-hmm. When she turns, and I'm talking about when she gets incorporated into the, the supercomputer as a kid, used to terrify me. And even watching it now, I'd go as far as saying very unpleasant. Mm. <laughs> it is not nice to watch. Sure. I thought some of the special effects were a little campy. I have to admit, I thought some of them were a little hammy. Yeah, I mean, again, like the opening title sequence, it gives you a pretty good idea what kind of movie yeah. you're in for. In fact, the opening sequence, it's the first time in a Superman movie where it's not been space. Yeah. One, two, and four, it's the whooshing text in mm. space, and they work with something different here. And again, it sets the tone, doesn't it? It does. But it is it very is much more down to earth, uh, very much more grounded in reality. You know the bit where the trying Superman's heading to the base towards the end, yep. and they've got him on the computer screen. It's like a video game. Yeah. Well, originally, apparently, the effects were too good, and they got told you need to make it look worse than that. Mm. Wow. Okay, that's saying something. Yeah. So originally, but again, this was just you know the visuals on the computer, but they wanted it to look more like a video game that you would have got during that time. I just took issue with the with the, with the bad guy base at the end of the movie. I thought, come on, this is a bit crap. I mean, who has, who, which bad guy has a base hidden away in a cave or a bunker somewhere well, in the Grand Canyon? Gus asked for it. It was, it, was almost, <laughs> it was almost campy on a James Bond level, you know? On a Bond villain level. Oh, but it's okay when Bond does it, though. No one has issue with no, I mean, that. It's just base, base in a volcano. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just hammy ass. Just but like, it is. Come on. Mate, this, this whole movie is campy and cheesy. Yeah. Like, I, that, I'm didn't with you. Sit, that didn't sit well with me, I must admit. But tonally, it's not out of place with the rest of the movie, though. Mm. Like, start to finish, again, like this movie, it plays like a comedy. Yeah. So if if that bass would have been in maybe the first one or the second one, then again, in the second one, it could have kind of fit because that battle for Metropolis with Zod yep. and him, Nam, Ursa are using their super breath yep. in that scene in the street. It is just ridiculous. Awful. So campy, cheesy over the top. There's a guy getting his wig blown off. 
There's somebody getting blown down the street on roller skates. I think that's the big the big disparity between this and a modern Superman movie like Man of Steel is that there's, you, you can't compare them because these earlier ones have played like comedies, as you say, and they, that's so jarring when you go back and when you go forward in time and you watch what Snyder did with Superman. You can't just... even you can't go there, and that's why when I'm comparing this movie, I'm only looking to the other to the others. You're not looking Christopher at, you're not taking Superman it to, films. Yeah, you're not taking it to where Scott Snyder, Zack Snyder went. So you can look at Superman two. And you, you just know the parts that Lester has contributed, and yeah. that scene in Metropolis for sure is him. I mean, yeah. there's that guy talking on the on the phone in the street, on the public is in the public phone booth, and he gets blown over, and he's laughing and talking, and it's he gets blown down the street. It's it's cheesy. The whole See, thing's ridiculous. You're right. It's silly. It's over the top. But again, it's not as if this movie suddenly changes in tone. It's consistently. Mm. Silly. I guess the only other character to mention is Pamela Stevenson as Lorelai and Rosia. That was Pamela Stevenson? Yeah, are you familiar with her? Oh, uh, yeah, Billy Connolly's wife. Right? No, no, I'm sure that must be a different one. Like, she's not even an actress. No, Pamela, she was, no she's a psychologist, but she does have a background in. Comedy. Really? Yeah, she did a show called Not the Nine O'Clock News. Oh, my goodness. She had a. Background. Oh, my word. Do you know what? Yeah. Yes. I didn't realise that was her. Wow, there you go. I knew her as a psychologist. I didn't realise... That she had a background in, in improv. Wow, you've um, you just blow my mind. There you go. You learn something new on this podcast every week, folks. <laughs> You're welcome. Wow, honestly, yes. When I was doing a bit of prep, I did see that Stevenson was a part of Not the Nine O'Clock News. She would later later go on to be Billy Connolly's wife. Wow. That that has generally blown my mind. Yeah, you just had a mind blown, mind blown. You just had a mind blowing. I can't even put that in moments. Moments. <laughs> yeah, you had a mind blowing moment. That emoji that you get on the phone. You know, you had that. So she's great in this. Like she's, she's got different layers to her character. So yeah. she's playing the blonde bimbo, but yeah. really, she's got a smarts about her. Oh yeah, you see that scene where she's reading uh, Emmanuel Kant. Yeah, she's and she's. She'll accidentally say things like she'll show off her intelligence, but then try and cover it up with a ditziness. Yeah. So she plays it really well, and yeah, yeah she does. There she you does. Go. That was amazing. Yeah, cool. Yeah, well, she's she's good. That, that just makes sense. That completely makes sense because obviously, Pamela Stevenson has a Stevenson has a psychologist background, so of course she's going to have a character reading Kant. Oh well, there you go. There you go. It's a fourth wall within a fourth wall. That's like sixteen walls. They're quite Deadpool. <laughs> the soundtrack. We don't. We don't have John Williams here. We've got Ken Thorne, but he is using a lot of John Williams themes. Mm. So if you didn't know, as a kid, I had no idea. That famous refrain. Like for me, the music just sounded like Superman. Dun, 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 dun. That's the one. But it's don't a, do it. Don't do it. It's a yeah. it's a different it's a different composer here, and yeah. as I say, he's using the Superman theme. But what's different about this movie? Compared to those first two, this has actually got a music soundtrack, like pop songs. Mm. Giorgio Moroder was hired to create songs for the film. So there's original songs in here as well. And then they've added a few other popular songs. But it's actually a Superman film with songs with lyrics. Whereas the other ones, it's just score. The best comic book movies and superhero movies are the ones that have a refrain or a score that's, that comes back all the time, like the Superman one, Batman 89 with Danny Elfman, 
John Williams of Superman, all those sorts of scores inform the audience's kind of take on the character and, and their association with the character. It plays it plays a big part. It really does. I remember like years ago now, it's not so much a thing, but it used to be like people would criticize the MCU for not having memorable themes. Mm. But then if you go back to... Well, there is an Avengers theme. That's it. If you yeah. go back to 2012, what Alan Silvestri did on that score, like, the Avengers theme is great. Like, what was who did... Oh, Silvestri as well. Captain America, the first Avenger. That's really solid. But when you're looking at Iron Man, it was pretty much just ACDC. Yeah, just rock. Old school rock. But they, they really turned that around. But you, you're right. Like, it really complements the character when you have a signature theme. Danny Elfman Batman is fantastic, but for me, John Williams Superman, it's it's the ultimate. It's my favourite. I'd say they're both right up there side by side as some of the iconic scores from superhero films from that era, from the, from the 80s. Wow, they, they really they're are. Both, I, love, I love both of them. But if I had to pick one, mm, of course, it's got to go to John Williams Superman. Yeah, because you're a loyalty for the character. And I really like it. Yeah, okay. But anyway, okay. so Superman we 3, digress. if... You're going to rate this movie out of five. You know me, I usually give fives, but I'm going to, I'm going to break with tradition here. And uh, You're not going to like it, much of your chagrin. I'm going to go for 2.5, maybe three tops. Okay, and that's fair. And you know what? Because I'm, I'm always honest with these reviews. I love the Superman versus Superman scene. There's other elements of the movie that I really enjoy as well. Not so much the comedy. Mm. So I'm, I'm the same as you, three out of five. Yeah, I'm going to go with that too. And I think it's the big fight scene in the scrapyard that redeems this movie. Other, other than that, i got to say it's a turkey. Is it a really good movie? No, it's not. No, is it a movie that I enjoy watching? Yes, it is. I, I really like this movie. I can't remember a time where I didn't watch this movie. It, it really is. It's, it's a lot of fun. But again, the scene in the scrapyard, absolutely it's the fantastic. It's the redeeming feature. It really is. Well, that's it for our episode all about Superman 3. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show today. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. And as always, it's always a pleasure and never a chore. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. <laughs>